True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am here with Mr. Yona Weiss. Yona, thank you for coming on the show. It is my pleasure, Justin. Listen, if it's if it's a day without a podcast, it's not a good day. <laughs> I'm happy to uh, to meet your quota for the day. We appreciate you coming on. And I, may I say, for our, our followers that are watching on YouTube, I love your background. It's beautiful. Love love the background there. Uh, Yona, for, for those you. of you who can't see, uh, has a picture of our property, uh, Diamond Ridge, uh, as its background. So that's awesome. Um, I appreciate the customization. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Yona Weiss, for those of you who don't know, uh, just Google him uh, or find him on LinkedIn or any other social network because Yona Weiss is everywhere. Um, but for those who live under a rock, um, Yona, tell us a little bit about you and uh, and your company. Sure. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you having me on, Justin, really. Beyond the jokes, I really do uh, enjoy spending time with uh, with friends and, and talking about this subject because it's something that a lot of people don't know about. I work for this company called Madison Specs. We're the largest national cost segregation company. It's something we're going to get into details today, that, you know, the nitty gritty. But what it is, I help people save income tax. Like that's it. Property owners who own income producing properties, you actually get huge tax benefits by doing this weird thing called cost segregation. And we're going to clear it up, make it really simple today. Um, I've not always done this, believe it or not. I didn't, you know, when I was a little kid, I didn't think, hey, well, I'm going to do a cost segregation expert. When I grow up, <laughs> you weren't eight years old, you know, planning out how to save people money. No, <laughs> no, I wish I wish I would be able to save myself money when I was eight years old. But there you go. Um, I really didn't get involved into in this whole industry at all for, um, you know, for a long time. I was a teacher for many years. And that's really been my passion. And I guess, as you probably know, it spills over into what I do, just having to be able to, that ability to, to give over these kind of complicated topics in a very simplified manner for everyone to understand. And, but I, I got involved in real estate about five years ago, maybe close to six at this point and did some fix and flips, um, just got my, you know, doing commercial mortgages, got a broker's license, doing some residential stuff, just trying to get my feet wet. But in the past three years, three, almost four years now, working with Madison Specs, doing the cost segregation thing. So I just love it. And as you said before, you find me on social media, it's because I found it's such an incredible medium. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk and his whole methodology of yeah. marketing and sales. It's just so easy to help people and to provide value and to have fun networking, you know? So I, I found a lot of, a lot of great um, people through that and a lot of great business. Well, first off, uh, the educator, the teacher side of you comes through because you educate all of us. We were just talking before the, the recording started. I remember listening to a podcast of yours like three or four years ago on uh, Joe Fairless. And then, I mean, every day, another episode of, you know, not only your podcast, but you're on someone else's podcast pretty much daily. So we all appreciate you uh, spreading the good word about cost segregation and, and educating the rest of us because, uh, frankly, it's you know, cannot, you know, at a surface seems like kind of a boring topic. Uh, but as we're going to show today, 
and for the listeners, we literally just got a report from Yona Weiss on uh, from Madison Specs on uh, yesterday. <laughs> so we just got a report back for Diamond Ridge. And so timely that we can talk through the structure of it. Obviously, I can't share the report with you guys, but we can talk through the structure and what it looks like and what kind of information in there. It's 83 pages. Uh, so Yona will be reading 83 pages to us line by line, word for word. And that'll be the podcast. It'll be great. A lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk through how to even read this thing because um, I think that anyone that's you know curious about cost seg, there's plenty of content out there from Yona about that. But let's let's hit the top. Uh, why why do I want to do a cost segregation? First off, what is it, and why do I want to do it on my multifamily property? Sure. And just to be you know, straight up, this is for any type of property. Multifamily obviously has a great benefit for it, but any type of investment or commercial property, just to clear that up, you, you can do it for single families. Also, you can do it for storage for. Okay. So I have office. heard that. I have, I have seen people post online, like, Hey, can I, can I do a cost seg on my single family? Um, at what point does it make sense or not make sense to do that? That's a great question. It, it, Depends. I'd say since what we're going to talk about is how we're going to reallocate the cost of the building, it's depreciation. We're going to get these depreciation deductions and kind of front load a certain percentage of them. So that's going to start making sense when you have enough tax deductions that you can front load to actually pay for you know the cost of the study, number one, but to get that extra tax benefit over those earlier years. Um, so maybe just to give a little more context, I, just to answer that question up front, I'd say over half a million dollar purchase price, doesn't matter yeah. if it's single family, multifamily, makes tons of sense, I'd say 10X yeah. value in doing it. Even Perfect. smaller than that, on a case by case basis, definitely uh, worthwhile to look into. Uh, but yeah, let's step, step back a little bit. Depreciation, right? Cost segregation is just a fancy way of saying um, depreciation to the max. Right? It's like you're taking depreciation, which is a tax deduction you get when you buy a property that allows you to literally write off an income tax write off of the entire value of your property. Okay, It's like the government says, okay, yeah, you buy a property. Guess what? You get to write it off, take an income tax deduction, but you have to do it over a long period of time. So you know, spread it over 27 and a half years if it's a multifamily or other single family or 39 years if it is a commercial property. So that's what we what we do is something really cool, which is break down the property into different asset um, types, different you know uh, classes, which depreciate at faster rates. And there's two main big categories, which we'll get into you know the details of those things. But it's really five year personal property and 15 year land improvement. So those two categories contain in them you know over a dozen different things that or dozen categories really of things that can be depreciated at faster rates. Why should you do that? Because you want to pull out as much depreciation upfront, a much tax deductions upfront as you can. So you can keep your cash flow as high as possible. Keep your income tax liability as low as possible. That makes a ton of sense. And we see this a lot. And actually, you know, going through the the raise that we just finished for, for Diamond Ridge, you know, this was a big piece of our marketing and, and our capital raise is that we are doing a cost segregation study in 2020 and you will see tax benefits in 2020. And so that was a big selling point for us. And, and Yona even came on and, and recorded some video for us to explain to our potential investors about what that, what that would look like. And so the benefit is, hey, if you invest here in 2020, you're going to get a pretty nice tax write-off. So can we talk through 
how that works. Like it, it so, so we're, we're identifying all the pieces on this property. You're breaking out in a five year and 15 year. How does that happen? And then how does that flow through to, you know, a, a dollar uh, or, or savings tax savings to the investor? It works like this. Like I said, you take the whole property, right? The purchase price, and then that's allocated into these different categories. Now, if you have 20% or so that you can take um, at a faster deduction rate, you can now take those huge um, tax deductions and that offsets your income tax. So let's say on your property, maybe we can get into some real real life details here, but if you're no, making um, you know, your purchase price, well, let's just take Diamond Ridge for an example, right? We had a purchase price of $18.5 million, right? We always have to allocate a certain amount to land. Land does not depreciate. Okay, so we put 15% to land, which is pretty average. I think people do different things, some people less, yep. some people more, but that's you know two million seven seventy-five. Okay, two million seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. That's land. The rest of it, we're talking about um, you know a huge amount. What we're doing is allocating with the engineer report, and I think this is why it confuses a lot of people. Well, yeah, this is an accounting thing. Like, why can't my accountant do this? It requires an engineer to actually come to the property or virtually come to the property, view it, and then identify all these different things in there that depreciate faster, add them up, add the value of those things, and now you can take those as tax deduction at a faster rate. What that ends up doing is creates huge deductions in the earlier years which if you are making money, and maybe we can talk about specifics, like how much money is the property actually making and how much depreciation is it going to offset, right? Because that's really where the money in the pocket, you know, comes from. Right, right. So, so we're, we're able to, instead of spreading that depreciation out over 27 and a half years, which is pretty great anyway, right? We're taking the 18 and a half, we subtract out the land and we depreciate that straight line over 27 and a half years and we get a standard depreciation for every year. What you're saying is, no, we can actually identify the things that will uh, uh, that are de- gonna depreciate faster and we move it f- more forward into, into the schedule. Right, so, so yeah, I mean, taking a, you know, $18.5 million property and then even after you subtract for land, you're still getting about a, you know, if you take that, divide that by 27 and a half, you're still getting about a $570,000 tax deduction right off the bat, just regular depreciation. But if this right. property is producing um, a net operating income of anything above, you know, five hundred seventy thousand dollars, which I hope it is at that, uh, yeah, then <laughs> hopefully uh, significantly more than that, then you are going to be subject to tax. So that's why we do the cost segregation to accelerate that to uptake more of those deductions up front. And in and you're in in our example, um, I think we're talking about uh, about four million dollars or so of bonus depreciation in the first year, which means that's going to carry over, going to not only offset whatever income you're making in the first year, but literally carry that over to, uh, to future years. Okay. So let's, let's use some round numbers. Let's say that um, Diamond Ridge is going to make in profit after all expenses, hundred thousand dollars a month, which is pretty close to our, our projected number. Um, and let's say that, so we closed on this property here in October, right? So now how does it factor in? Do, do I only get to, you know, we've got three months, less than three months. So, so do I only get to count a third uh, or a quarter of the depreciation for the year? Like how does that work given the time period in the year that we closed? Yeah, normally speaking, depreciation is prorated 
to the date in the year that you buy a property. Okay. It starts the day you buy the property. So if you bought it in October, that means you're really only going to be getting about two and a half months of depreciation on normal straight line depreciation. And if you're doing accelerated depreciation as well, you're only going to be getting about, you know, two and a half months out of, out of 12. So about, uh, you know, a little bit every single month, every single year. However, sorry, in that first year, it's going to be prorated. However, Bonus depreciation, which is a new tax law, came into being about two years ago, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and that allows you to take all of the accelerated depreciation upfront in the first year. And I think it's what you guys are doing, what a lot of people do, which is not subject to that prorating. So even though you bought the property towards the end of the year, and even if you buy a property on December 31st, you mm-hmm. can literally get the, the bonus depreciation for the entire not just year, but all those five, 15 years of depreciation that you were accelerating. Wow. Okay. So it's based on with bonus depreciation that allows us to any point in the year, any point in the year we can buy this and we get credit for the whole year, basically. Um, So in this instance, um, let's go back to these numbers. So we said we're making on average $100,000 a year. So call that $250,000 in profit for us from the time of close through the end of December, right? Um, you just threw out some really big numbers, like millions of dollars. Can you explain that and, and what the heck is happening with, with all these millions of dollars? How does that work? Yeah, we're creating, we're front loading these tax deductions. Um, so to be specific, yeah, you're only making in the first year, you know, $250,000 a month, you said, right? So 250 for, for the, the period of ownership the remainder, from when we remainder closed of, uh, through the end of the year. Yep. Right. So on a, on, on a full year scale, Right. If you were to own that for the entire year, right, you'd be looking at, you know, more like about three, three million dollars in that operating income or so. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe maybe it's like one point two. Like we're, we're, I'm just for the example's sake, yeah. I'm saying we're making one hundred thousand dollars in profit. So it'd be like one point two for the whole year. Gotcha. Gotcha. One point two million. So your normal depreciation, as I mentioned before, would only be five hundred seventy thousand dollars. Right. So you'd still be subject with regular depreciation. You'd still have to be paying taxes on that remaining uh, you know, $700,000. With the cost irrigation, we're front-loading, uh, in our example here, 25% of the, or I think a little more, which translates to, you know, over $4 million of bonus depreciation, which means that you can take that in the first year. Now, you only made $250,000 in the first year. So you make $250,000 and you have $4 million of depreciation deductions. What does that do? That First of all, it negates the two hundred fifty thousand dollars you paid zero income tax on that, and now you have this you know three point seven five million dollar loss. Okay, um, if you are a real estate professional, which I think a lot of people are, and even some of your investors are, you can use those extra losses that you get this year to offset you know other income from other sources. So that's huge, right? That's a big game changer. But your investors are not only getting their returns on investment tax free this year, but they'll have a huge allocated loss according to the percentage of ownership. They're going to get that chunk of depreciation. It's going to carry forward. You don't lose it. You just, you get use it next year. So that's why people do the bonus depreciation up front because it's going to benefit those people that can use it this year if they're real estate professionals and those who can't will still get some benefit from it in future years. Right. Okay. So, so even if I can't use all of it or some of it this year, it's going to flow through. Right. So next year you'll make another 1.2 million, maybe a little more because it'll, you know, raise in value. You'll still pay zero taxes 
on that because the extra bonus depreciation will carry over. And then the year after that, in year three, but also there's going to be enough depreciation left over from that bonus depreciation to totally offset that. And in year four as well, it looks like because you have, first of all, you have that straight line depreciation that you get and the bonus depreciation is on top of that. So you still get that $570,000 or so every year. And what it's doing is creating um, maybe a little bit less because it's subtracting that prorated amount that mm -hmm. you took, but essentially you're still going to get a huge amount. Probably the first four or five years pays, you know, zero taxes. So the investors, any dollar they're getting as part of the return, they're going to be able to offset. And, and the way, what that looks like is since they're a partner in the deal, they're going to get a, a K-1 that shows what they earned from this property. But what you're saying is it's going to be negative. Right. And they're going to get a, a big negative K-1 this year that shows all these massive losses that the, their CPA, when they do the taxes, they can use to offset and write off any other passive income that they might have. Right. But don't be don't be afraid of the negative number on your tax return. It's not like you're losing money. You're actually Correct. making money. You're just not it's a very good taxes thing. on it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, OK, great. Really good overview of the concept. Um, can we talk in detail, you know, obviously without we can't show the report, but let's, let's, I, I this page, this report is 83 pages. <laughs> so you sent it to me yesterday and I, I sort of breezed through it and I read it. I said, mm -hmm, okay, I get this, I get this. And then all of a sudden there, there's a lot of detail in here and, you know, somewhere on page 16, I'm like, oh, okay, my eyes are glazing over a little bit. Can you just help me break down what is in this 83 page report? What is relevant to the, um, the GP, the general partnership, the active investors, and what's relevant to the, the limited partners and the passive investors? So there's a lot in there. And be, the reason why there's a lot in here and why it's so detailed is because that this is, you know, the hoops you have to jump through in order to pass the IRS's test to do a cost segregation study. So they have a whole list of things and there needs to be, there's a whole numbering system that needs to take place. There's a whole, um, you know, reporting system. You have to come up with, um, you know, all kinds of schedules and you have to come with descriptions and justifications from, you know, from research that was done. It's a, it's a, it's a lot that's going in here. Um, there's also, you know, you have to bring support from, from case history, all that stuff. But what is relevant to you as the partners is really just a couple pages, right? <laughs> there's, in the end of the day, what the whole conservation study is doing is producing a new depreciation schedule. And that one page is what you take to your accountant who applies that to your taxes. And that's pretty much it. So all of the rest of it is, you know, interesting and it's cool to study. And if you want to get into the details and see, well, how is it broken out? How is it broken down? We can, you know, there's a couple pages in this that are, are very clear and broken out. Um, like I would say, if you want to just check now, like page 15 is a very clear description of, uh, of, what we're doing with the cost segregation, like a summary of costs by asset, it's called. So we actually look at and see, oh, what after all is said and done, after all those calculations and computations are made, uh, which you can see later on, you know, from page 15 and onwards. But on that one page, you see, oh, there's asphalt, all the stuff that's five-year property, all the appliances and, and building mounted flood lighting and cabinets and cable TV system, right? And carpeting and ceiling fans and closet rods and shelving and countertops and all these things. And the list goes on and on. You can see here, this is what we are calculating the value of these individual assets within the property that now depreciate on a five-year schedule. And that's what we're identifying. That's what we're taking as tax deduction in five years. Okay, great. 
totally get it. So just as a summary, for those who can't see this, you know, what you've done is you've taken out, taken this uh, 15 million or 15.7 million in uh, building costs. And you've said that 11 of that, 11.7 basically is that 27 and a half year property. So that, that doesn't change. That's going to be depreciated no matter whether we do uh, cost egg or not. But what you've done is you pulled the rest forward. So there's 1.3 in 15-year property, and there's 2.7 in five-year property. And now we can pull all that depreciation forward and get it done a lot, a lot faster. Is that right. a good summary? Awesome. Yeah. And what's important to note also is that the building and the structural components, the 27 and a half year stuff, also needs to be um, also needs to be uh, identified what the individual assets of that stuff is. So there's, you know, you can go to page 24 on that and that has a breakdown of the building. So we're looking at the foundation, we're looking at, you know, the construction, the walls, exterior walls, interior wall, doors, et cetera. Everything is broken down at a cost per square footage, et cetera. Like everything literally in, in great detail to come up with how we get to those numbers. Got it. It is that's super where the engineering. Detailed. That's where the yes. engineering, uh, you know, stuff comes in. We let the engineers do what engineers do and, and they produce this, this information for us. Okay, so I've got my uh, breakdown of, of what it cost me and what I can, um, now, by the way, is this, this is a rebuild cost, right? So if these costs are, if I were to go and, and build this building new, it would cost me this, this many dollars. Is that how that works? There is, yeah. There's a calculation that that is done in that way because, I mean, essentially what what you're doing is since you're buying the property for 18.5 million you're mm-hmm. you're saying from a tax perspective i have to now spend 18.5 million on all the individual components on here so how do i reverse engineer everything even though like it really could have taken about maybe like 5 million or something to build mm-hmm. this property but now Got i have it. to you have a um you know give uh, a, a premium right to certain assets and, and like i said there's a very detailed calculation how much uh, h- how that's done got it okay what's the what's the next uh, in piece of information that we need to look at in this report um, again i would say like you go to the the depreciation schedule and that's it mm-hmm. so that's page 25 and 26 there's two okay. alternative depreciation schedules one's for the regular consolidation and the second one is for 100% bonus depreciation and that we do both of those so you can decide and choose which one you want to use and which one you want to have going forward. Got it. Got it. And that's the information that my CPA is interested in. Those, those two pages, we tell them, how do I determine whether I want to do bonus depreciation or not? Like I, that's something I have to tell my CPA, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it may very well be like a lot of people just do the, the straight line depreciation or the, the regular consideration and they may not want to take it as a, as hundred percent bonus depreciation. So that's why we, we prepare both of these. Why would you not want to do that? Um, it's, you know, some people don't want to take all these losses. Maybe they don't need them. Maybe it's enough, the regular depreciation to offset any income they have. And I think it depends a lot on, you know, who are the owners? Who are the investors involved? Are they going to benefit from it? Uh, that's that's usually the, the main reason. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. So then I send this to my CPA and he works his magic and he kicks out some K-1s based on the income that the property needs. Um, awesome. So let's talk about uh, the question that I get a lot as I'm raising money and we're talking about cost segregation, which is what happens at the end of this, right? We've, we've done our homework, we front loaded all this depreciation and my tax return looks great. And in year five or seven or 10, when I sell this thing, uh, what happens then? 
So at the sale of any property, you're faced with something called depreciation recapture tax. Okay. It's a tax that everyone is subject to uh, no matter what, when you sell a property. And there's a few different forms for that, but essentially what it means is that whatever depreciation that you've taken over the course of ownership, you now have to pay a tax on, on the back end. Um, so be, you know, just to be simple, keep it simple. It's usually about 25%. And so, that's something that you're subject to. Um, and everyone has to be aware of that. Yeah, you're getting these tax benefits up front. There's ways to, you, you know, the time value of money that I'm now getting these huge tax deductions, able to reinvest that money, able to do whatever I want with that money uh, from these returns. When I sell a property, I'm gonna have to make sure that if I wanna maximize the benefits of this, I wanna make sure that I'm reinvesting in other things so that I can get the cost segregation or losses from another property to help offset that depreciation recapture tax going forward. Or, you know, do a 1031 exchange to help defer those uh, depreciation recapture tax uh, further. Again, there are strategies to get around that. So important to know you're subject to it, but there are ways uh, ways you can deal with There's it. There's ways well. around it. Okay, so, so a good strategy for that might be um, let's say we sell sometime in Q1. We sell Diamond Ridge 10 years from now in Q1. And so in this example, you're saying you said 25% taxes. So what are they paying 25% on? So every loss, every negative K1 that they got through the years of ownership, are they paying 25% of that? How, how does that work exactly? Yeah, so they're paying 25% of the depreciation that was taken. So if they took, you know, X amount of depreciation over that course owner, the $4 million, right, that's going to be split up accordingly, right? So if they have like a 1% ownership of that, right, they would have gotten over that course of ownership about $40,000 of depreciation. Um, so of that $40,000, now they're going to have to pay or be subject to a 25% tax on that. Yona. I just learned something. I did not know that. I thought that the full depreciation amount that I paid, so if I had that $40,000 of depreciation over time, I thought I had to pay that whole $40,000 back when I sold this property. You're saying no. I'm just, no. I'm treated like, that's treated like income and that's that's taxed at, at, call it 25%. Yeah, it's a tax. It's not a recapture. Is a misnomer. It doesn't mean you have to pay back your. The you IRS just blown my mind, Yona. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a tax. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a very important thing. A lot of people. Okay. It's one of the most common questions I get. You should know. So I, this is good because I I'm telling people about this too, and we just did this deal. So let me make sure I get it exactly right because uh, it's worth repeating, um, and I hope that all of you listening are are getting this. So. I pay taxes. So I'm getting a great negative K1 for being a partner in Diamond Ridge this year, right? And next year, next year, next year, I'm going to have all these nice negative numbers. Let's say uh, that over the course of uh, my ownership in this property, I've had $100,000 of depreciation that I'm able to write off, right? And so that's offset all my other income and I'm paying like no little and no taxes. It's offsetting my wife's income. This is great, right? Because I'm a real estate professional. So now in year 10, uh, I have depreciation recapture. And what I thought was that I was going to have to pay that $100,000 back in taxes, right? Provided I don't do any of these other great, great ideas that you just mentioned. What you're saying is, no, I'm just taxed on the amount. I'm taxed on the amount as if it was income. So I'm going to pay somewhere around $25,000 on that. Yeah. Did I get that exactly. right? Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Okay. Pretty cool. Very good to know. Um, I did not know that. So great. Thank you. Um, 
Now, some other strategies, right? So like you said, I, I still have this tax, even though it's 25% of what I wrote off, I still don't want to pay that 25%. So what then I as an operator want to do is I want to sell Diamond Ridge in Q1 so that I have time to find the next project sometime in Q3, 2, 3, 3, or 4, and I need to close on it before December 31st. And if I do a cost tag on that one, can that one will off, the, the negative K1 will offset the depreciation recapture on this one. Is that is that correct? Yeah, potentially. But I'll, I'll make it even better okay. than that because, you know, this is all predicated on, you know, the, the way that you're describing this, that there's just like one property exists in your whole life. Right. But you and I both know that most real estate investors are not just one property people. Yep. <laughs> We're looking to buy <laughs> We're addicted. multiple properties. We're addicted. <laughs> yeah, try to, on this year, another one, maybe next year too, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly accumulating this. So conservation works best for someone like that, who is a real estate investor, someone who is actively acquiring. And so they're creating these losses that are just spilling over uh, from all the property because depreciation from one property can be used to offset the income from all of your properties. Got it. Because Got rental it. property income is treated together as one kind of group lump sum. Got it. Amazing. Uh, so, so we just keep buying and, and we just keep not paying taxes. Just keep buying, keep not paying taxes. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, some people, a lot of people do the 1031 exchange. Hopefully that's not going to go away. Uh, but that's another great way to keep, you know, keep things moving, right? Keep, right. keep the cash flowing and uh, the taxes. Now with what we down. do in syndication, it's a little harder to do a 1031. Yeah. There's a lot of, but if you, yeah, absolutely. If you're talking about a smaller property or it's your own, own small multifamily, absolutely you know, look into a 1031 to, to save some money on taxes. Um, and, and we've had some shows about 1031s as well, and it's super powerful. So if you can't do a 1031, this seems like an awesome way to go. And you just have to keep buying property and, and you just keep offsetting it. Um, Kona, this is, this is extremely helpful. Um, so anything that you think we should cover that, we, that I might have missed or we, I didn't ask you about? Uh, there's so much we can really go. We can really go in a lot of directions with this, but um, no, I'll leave it up to you. Nothing really comes to mind specifically okay, that we didn't touch on. I, I love that we dug in on the report and and we talked about it. And and guys, um, I don't know if Madison Specs offers like a sample report that someone you do. Okay, so yeah, sure, um, reach out to Yona. See a sample report. Look, familiarize yourself with what this 83-page monster is going to look like before you get it. And uh, I mean, they've got pictures of, you know, my appliances in here and my flooring and, and top to bottom. Um, they crawled all over this property. So it's it's really great. And um, I learned a lot actually reading through it. And and I do love that you're referencing, you know, the tax codes and this and that and, and precedents and um, lots, lots of really good educational stuff in there. Um, so Yona, uh, now's the time that you can uh, plug yourself a little bit, tell people uh, what you have going on and where they can find you. Besides everywhere. Um, yeah, well, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. The best place <laughs> to find me, obviously, is LinkedIn. I'm very active there. In fact, I'm most responsive on LinkedIn, posting every day, a lot of content, trying to be build a community there. That's the uh, best place to find me. If you want to go to my website, yonaweiss.com, pretty easy to find out about everything else I got going on, including my podcast, Weiss Advice, which uh, we're excited really to great. have Justin uh, as a guest scheduled in the, the coming months. So that's, that's excited. Uh, excited about that. Um, I do have a really cool weekly meetup, a real estate meetup that we are totally virtual at this point, but we meet together every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have a different speaker on a different topic every week. 
which uh, we've had, you know, some of the biggest names in the industry usually get 50 to hundred people That's coming awesome. every week. We do the, the zoom networking, you know, the breakout rooms at the mm-hmm. end. So you mm-hmm. get just thrown into a little zoom call with like three or four people you don't know. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's great. And where can they find out about that? You can, I mean, again, the best place to find is either my website or on LinkedIn I'm posting about that constantly. All right. So, uh, Hit up Yona on LinkedIn, become his friend or connection uh, if you're not already. And uh, check out the Weiss Advice podcast for sure, full of really great information. And Yona, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I definitely appreciate it. And uh, hopefully if tax codes change coming in the next few years or so, uh, we can have you back and explain that to us and, and how it all impacts us as real estate investors. Yeah, listen, if the tax code changes, I'm going to be on another 150 podcasts in the next year. <laughs> you get to be a busy guy. <laughs> There's going to be a waiting list for sure. Uh, well, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community. And you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have the show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.